Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 12th of April. Coming up in today's show, I return to the subject of franchising and interview Philip Monoy, who is managing director of a new franchise called I Sold It, which combines uh, clicks and mortar. I guess, uh, to use a, a slightly old-fashioned term, but which combines um, eBay, it combines franchising, it combines a high street retail presence, it combined, combines doing business with small businesses, and uh, Philip himself as, a, as an entrepreneur uh, and former successful businessman is, uh, is interesting to talk to in relation to, to how he has come to, to franchising as a business and how he is rolling out the operation as a franchisor. I also catch up with uh, the diary of a wantrepreneur, the return of Kelvin Jones. Some music from Chris Russo, one of my favourite electronica artists, and a, a round-up of uh, comments from listeners over the last week or so. But first, many thanks to all of you, uh, nearly 50 already, who have signed up to the Small Biz Pod community networking site. Uh, you can find that at smallbizpodnet.ning.com, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you just click on the networking button at the, in the sort of right-hand side of the Small Biz Pod homepage at smallbizpod.co.uk, you can check it out. Um, lots of interesting people already there, already uh, participating in forums. Uh, there's the ability to, to search and find people who might be able to help you. And uh, clearly, the, 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 the more of you who, who join, uh, the, the better the opportunities are to network, to find people who can uh, advise, help, support you to find potentially new business. So do check it out, and I look forward to seeing you there in due course. Now, I'm off to Lanzarote in the morning, or in fact this morning. This is very late now. This podcast is being recorded, but it'll it'll go out some ungodly hour. But bef- just shortly after that, I'll probably be departing on a flight with the family to Lanzarote and uh, trying to shake this cold that I've had for a bit. And uh, I'm sure the sunshine will do that. But the reason I mention it is Philip uh, from I Sold It, who uh, whose interview you'll hear very shortly, was suffering from a rather heavy cold when we did the interview. But I don't think it did detracts from the interest of the interview. If you're interested in eBay, if you're interested in how your small, small business can trade online, if you're interested in franchising as a franchisee or indeed as a franchisor, Philip has... Lots of interesting things to say, so I hope you enjoy this interview. Okay, well, it is, or at least most statistics would say, that the vast majority of small businesses now have an online presence of some variety or another. But what is clear and has become increasingly clear over the last few years and with broadband uh, penetration in the UK, well over 50% in terms of households now, what is very clear is that uh, the internet is without a shadow of a doubt a, a shop front, um, a business opportunity for businesses of all sizes and all types. Uh, there is no longer um, a differentiation and distinction between what used to be described as bricks and mortar businesses and online businesses. Um, the opportunities to 
reach local markets with things like uh, Google, Google local searches and so on and so forth, and indeed to reach global markets, even if you are, as I've described, or as at least Hugh Cloud describes, uh, a global microbrand, um, the possibilities are endless. But uh, the reality of presenting yourself or your business online efficiently and effectively can be uh, problematic and difficult and possibly even expensive depending on um, who you get in to help you if that's the way you choose to go. But there is a, a, a company that's been recently launched, which about a, launched about a year ago I think in the UK, which called I Sold It, which helps businesses of all sizes, small businesses in particular, uh, auction or get get on to auction sites uh, helps them sell stock or sell product easily through eBay and through other auction sites. Now, I, I sold it uh, is quite an interesting business story in its own right, and of course it, it it bridges that gap as it were between bricks and mortar and and the online world of business. So I'm really delighted to have with me on the show today. Um, Philip Malloy, who is uh, chief exec of I Sold It in the UK. Philip, welcome to Small Biz Pod. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Um, first of all, Philip, I mean, tell us a little bit. Tell, tell us a little bit about what I Sold It actually does for for small businesses. Okay. Well, we 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 are very simply an easy way to sell online. The the, the company mission is that you know we provide an easy way for any company, business, individual, or charity to sell stuff uh, on, in the online marketplace. And the reason why we do that is because, you know, a lot of companies don't really understand how it all works just yet. Yeah. They're quite busy doing what they do. Yeah. You know, some of them are still traditional retailers. Um, some of them are, you know, wholesalers. Um, and, and some of the businesses we work for aren't involved in retail at all. Mm. They just have stuff to sell. Yeah. So what we provide is uh, an opportunity for those companies to get online without really having to do the grunt work. Yeah, yeah. So it's a kind of an outsourcing of your online sales operation. It is, yeah, exactly that. And does it, does it focus uh, entirely on sales through auction sites like eBay or do you, do you advise and consult with businesses on, on, on actual online sales presence? Um, the whole thing. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're very much acting as consultants as well. Um, I mean, just, just in case any of the listeners don't, don't fully understand what we do as a business, essentially we are a drop-off shop. Yeah. We're a chain of drop-off stores. And as well as catering for the guy like you and me that walks in with, with some stuff to sell because he's had a clear-out, yeah. we're, we're also, of course, doing some very good work for businesses. Yeah. So that's why we're now in the business arena. Yeah, I mean, and I think well, this is one of the things that I was I found particularly interesting about. I sold its own uh, business model, as it were, because it it really is, uh, you know, it's bricks and mortar and online all at the same time. It's high street and yeah. you know, and internet. Uh, you know, we we call it clicks and mortar. Yeah, clicks and mortar. Yeah, which is which is <laughs> kind of. Um, these days, well, it's, I suppose it isn't unusual. I suppose lots of retailers are, are clicks and mortar, aren't they? But it's a, uh, it's a, it's a slightly unusual concept to to have businesses bring you in a physical location the products that you want to, 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 to that you're going to sell on their behalf. It's a, it's an interesting interesting concept. Yeah, 
and and I'll, I'll tell you how we do that in because because it's it's not just companies bringing products to us for us to sell on their behalf we we actually um a lot of our business is 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 almost virtual yeah so we're taking data um so this is where it gets really exciting mm-hmm. i mean the, the the easy concept to understand is someone brings us a pallet load of tvs yeah and we list them and we get them up on eBay or sell them on other marketplaces. And when they sell, we pack and ship them physically. Yeah. yeah. The exciting thing is we're now working for customers who already have websites and have a web presence. Mm. But what those companies did, when they got themselves a website and put all their products online, I think they expected the business just to flow through the doors. Mm. And it didn't. Mm. And I think a lot of companies have done that. And when, when we go and ask them, how's your website doing? How are you doing with it? It's not doing very well. It's, it's all sitting there, all nice and shiny and ready yeah. to, do, to do business, but no business is coming. Yeah. So, you know, then when companies start to look at search engine optimization and pay-per-click and, and yeah. they get themselves in a real mess with trying to generate traffic to the site. Yeah. And it's difficult. So they usually give up and just concentrate on what they know best, which is just retailing normally. Mm, mm. What we're doing is going to those companies and saying, we can really make that, that, that website work for you, but we can also put your products into marketplaces that you, you either never knew existed or just have no idea how to access. Yeah. Yeah. And this is how we do it. The trick is we take their data and we, we simply, you know, as an example, we, we, we work for a clothing retailer. Mm who is involved in high-end designer labels. Yeah. And we took a thousand lines from him, a thousand items, and it took us one hour to create a thousand adverts. Yeah. A thousand eBay listings. Yeah. Um, a thousand listings in Google, shopping.com, yeah. Telco, Shopzilla. Yeah. Yeah, just, just one hour it took us to do it. And we got that customer's items out there into those marketplaces where previously he'd never been. Mm, mm. And, and the net result was, you know, we're selling a couple of hundred items a month for him that he, that he would never have dreamed of selling Yeah, yeah. through any other, other method. Yeah. Now, I can see that being potentially, uh, the, the, the margins on that being better all round. Aren't mm. the, isn't it quite costly if you're actually, you know, delivering a pallet load to one of your franchise shops, um, for example, and then, you know, you've got to, to pack it and dispatch it and deal with it online there's an awful lot of uh, d- sort of double double mm-hmm. movement of goods there doesn't that uh, make it either for the business rather expensive or for all parties rather less profitable well no i mean if an, if a store is going to physically handle packing and shipping of items um, yeah. and and take that stock in then then it has to be the right kind of stuff and we're not for one minute suggesting that a store would handle pallet loads of of goods, you know, and get involved in, you know, two-way logistics and so on. No. Um, the reason why a store would handle stuff is usually because it's been brought in physically by a customer. Um, so it might just be a box full of car parts. Yeah. And we sell a lot of car parts. Uh, these are car parts that are brand new. They're in the box. Yeah. Um, and and typically they would go in the skip. Yeah. So what yeah. happens is. We get them in the store. So it's very practical because there's no cost, virtually no cost to, well, there is no cost to the store. It's pure profit for him to, yeah. to, to photograph and sell them. Um, and 
for the customer he's getting back a return on something that otherwise he would have lost money on. yeah so for 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 stock clearance and for 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 in essence getting paid for for not <laughs> rubbish isn't the right word but for stuff that otherwise you'd have received no income from well it's, you know it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's unloved and you know i mean there are a lot of companies there if if they want to have a lean warehouse yeah they want to make sure they've got this season's lines in and they're selling them and they're busy selling them focused on selling them yeah and the end of line stuff if they don't move it quickly, it's just going to sit there. And, and the number of warehouses we go to where there is stuff sitting there on the shelves yeah. and it's been there for months and that's, those months turn into years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the end, they just have to skip it. Yeah. But, you know, this is, this is the problem. You know, the, when, you, when you're dealing with stock, you've got to be quite ruthless in turning it around. Yeah. And, and that's, I think a lot of warehouse owners are quite guilty of the fact that the, they know how much it's costing, so they want to hold out for the price. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is yours is a is a pretty is a service based proposition, isn't it? It's like buying any other yeah. service, like outsourcing any other other part of the business. It, you make you make your decision whether you whether as a business person you feel that that is that 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 cost against time and uh, you know expertise is uh, as yeah. appro- is appropriate within your within your balance sheet but uh, i mean that's that makes a lot of sense now i'm uh, equally interested in in the sort of i sold its uh, story itself i mean as as i mentioned earlier uh, philip it, it, you launched didn't you about a year ago in the uk first of all philip what what's your what's your business background how did you come to be be, be chief executive of i sold it in the uk um well i had a business many years ago um, which was involved in vehicle delivery. Okay. And, um, you know, when you see these guys, the trade places put at the side of the road. Yep. In a lift. That's the kind of thing we used to do. Okay. But we did it on a, on a large scale. We had, you know, 500 of these guys nationwide. Yeah. We moved over a thousand cars a day. Yeah. So we were rather successful with that business. And then, and then part way through, um, I became part of a, a bigger group, which was a PLC. Mm hmm and was lucky enough to be involved with the PLC board and, and be a shareholder of that company, yeah. which I still am today. Mm. And, um, you know, we, again, we had another eight years of, of great success with that business. So in 2004, it left me feeling, well, you know, what else is there? Um, what else is there to do? And, and, and I think maybe many of you, your listeners will be were thinking that at some stage in their life, they've been at a crossroads. Yeah. Where yeah. you don't really, you know, you don't, you think, is this it? Is this my career? Is this, you know, or you might want to do something else. And what I wanted to do was travel and see the world and do other things. Yeah. And uh, so I took some time out, eventually left the business. But, but during that time, um, I spent a lot of time in the States. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is because I am a bit of a techie. I like the internet. Yeah. I like eBay. And I wanted to see what they were doing in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, even fancied moving out there. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, I, I, I so wanted to, to have a, a business in the States and live out there. I ended up buying the franchise license <laughs> for the UK <laughs> yeah. and then ended up coming back here with it. Yeah. But um, I sold it was, was a business I saw back in 2005. Yeah. And I just saw that it's a very distinctive striking logo. Mm. And I, I kept seeing these banners everywhere saying, we sell it on eBay for you. Yeah. Um, and knowing eBay was traditionally for hobbyists and collectors, I couldn't understand how or why you would need a service to help you sell stuff on eBay. Mm. Mm. 
And then when I when I looked into it a bit more, and you know, over months of sort of talking to people and research, I discovered that, you know, and it's more prevalent now. We're just two years on. eBay is not anymore just for amateurs and hobbyists. No, 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 no. E- no. eBay is a serious business tool. Yeah. So the, the I sold it story. I mean, the, the the business in the states has been going almost four years. Mm-hmm. Um, they started off very much just for walk-in traffic, just people like me and you. Yeah. Just um, just selling on eBay, and uh, the, the the reason they do well is because they got some good software. The software enables them to upload lots of photos, yeah, yeah. stylish templates. Yeah. Um, and do all that sort of stuff quite uh, efficiently. So what, what kind of scale have they reached in the U.S.? Well, in the U.S., they're doing well over 5 or $6 million a month. Okay. I think they've got, at any one time, they've got about 20, 22,000 items online for sale. Yeah, yeah. They are eBay's number one seller. Okay. Co- well, co- there we, that's, you know, that's, that's a fairly, uh, fairly significant... Fact, yeah, I think, is. in terms it of... Is. Yeah. It is. You, know, in, 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 you know, from a standing start, Yeah. Um, I think within two years, they'd achieved number one, number one status on eBay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so combined, you know, yeah. they're, they're the biggest, and eBay have confirmed that a number of times. Now, just from a sort of practical business perspective, how right. have you found the, the, the practicalities as a, from a franchisor's perspective of, of rolling out a franchise... You know, operation. Well, it's it's a challenge. You know, for, first and foremost, you, you've got to understand that there are. I mean, in my business now, instead of it it, it being whereas previous businesses, you've just got one single focus. Yeah. In this business, we've got a number of different focuses. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. N- number one, we are a franchisor, so we are there to to develop, support, maintain a network of people who, you know, are in business for themselves, but, you know, the cliche, not on their own. Mm. Um, and we, we take that very seriously. We're, 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 we like to think that we're very responsible franchisors. Yeah. We work, we work really hard um, and constantly recognize that we're not dealing with, with people that you can just, you know, turn a blind eye to. Mm. You know, these people need attention, need help, need support. Yeah, they've invested their own money into it, yeah. and you know. So we looked around at the franchise industry, and we spoke to a lot of franchisors and franchisees, and we discovered that it, it seemed to, to me that there, there were two camps. Mm. Um, you know, you'd got franchisors that were long in the tooth that sort of, you know, franchising would be great without franchisees. <laughs> was the attitude, and uh, and franchisees often felt that franchisors didn't care. Yeah, and um, I didn't want to be like that. And I think when whenever you come into a new industry, a new sector, I think you have to understand what you're going into. Yeah, yeah. You have to understand who who the uh, what the challenges are and what the personalities are. What you know, what 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 the competition is, mm. and and then try and be better where you can. Try and be different. Try and be yeah. better. So yeah. So we we set out to be better and be different. Mm. And how much does it cost to, 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 to become a franchisee? Well, the initial license is 20000 Yeah, yeah. Then you've got a store fit, which is just under 40000 Yeah. Then from that, you need working capital. Yeah. Which is to support you, you know, pay your rent, pay your staff. So, you know, we, we advise franchisees, depending on the financial circumstances, that you're going to need between eighty 
and a hundred thousand to get yeah. into this business and start yeah. it. Yeah. And what what um, I mean, obviously, you in the UK, you've been going a year, so it's a, it's probably a little hard to tell precisely or to put it. But yeah. I, although I guess you're drawing on data from the states, you can you can probably give a give a rough idea of of return. You know, um, you know, return on that that initial capital. Uh, expenditure. I mean, what's the what is the sort of uh, for, the break for a franchisee, point, as it were, for a franchisee? Well, it, it, it'd be wrong for me to, to talk about you know specific numbers um, at, at this stage because it would just be misleading. Yeah. But the, the the fact of the matter is that you know franchisees can be profitable within six months. Yeah. We've we've got six stores open now. Um, we've got eight imminently in the next couple of months. Okay. Um, we, yeah. we, we'll have about twenty five open by the end of this year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our franchisees are motivated, they're happy, you know, yeah. we've got business flowing through them, we're, we're doing a lot of things at head office, so, you know, the, the thing that we're trying to make easy for franchisees is to source products and source items. Yeah, yeah. So as well as being the franchisor and doing what franchisor does, we're also doing exactly what franchisees do and running our own stores mm. and running our own business and mm. sharing it with them. Okay, yeah. So we're, we're now in a position where we're providing franchisees with products to sell. You know, we, we know it works. It works well in the States. It's a proven concept over there. Yeah. Um, we've proven it with our corporate stores. And, you know, it is too early to tell with our franchisees because, you know, they've only been open two or three well, absolutely, months. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, they're doing well. You know, they're yeah. hitting the targets, hitting the numbers. And the, the business services pack that we've got for them you know, is it, working well. You know, this was the biggest thing for franchisees. They're very, very busy, yes. you know, and we're the ones that are constantly saying, have you done this yet? Have you done that? And, you know, we're on the, on the case. So we're a very, very proactive franchisor. And in yeah. these early days, it needs that. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you can't yeah. you can't start a business and not put that effort in. No, you can't. I mean, you're a, you are a startup. You are a startup business, aren't you? So uh, you, you are... You are at the you you know the 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 good thing I guess about a about an early an or about a startup franchise operation mm-hmm. is that the the franchisor is inevitably going to be putting in um, a hell of a lot of work uh, to 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 make it work. We've got a lot of money going into it, you yeah. know. I mean, and 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 the thing I'm proud to say is that you know as a, as a franchisor, we we or I have put my money where my mouth is. You know, I've yeah. not thought investment for this business mm. i put my own cash into it yeah and um you know i've got an awful lot riding on this yeah so you know when when franchisees come to see me and say well you know who's involved in the business it's just me you know and yeah I, I've, I've supported it i've funded it and you know, i'm just like you yeah just like yeah. you I, you know I put, i'm putting my own cash into it and I'm, I'm working heart and soul to make it work but the great news is we love what we do. It's exciting. It's, it's so very different to what I did before. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're having fun along the way. So that's all good news. Philip Malloy from uh, I Sold It. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. OK, now for some comments from listeners. But first of all, just wanted to say a big thank you to Sue Ran, to Angela Gamma, to Paul Scott, to Peter from Warsaw, and to Hugo from Paris, all who have signed themselves up to the Frapper Map. Always good to see where people are. And if you want to interact with them, or if you want to pick their brains, it would be great to see them on the Small Biz Pod networking site too. So guys, if you fancy it, 
do sign up to the site, as I mentioned earlier. Now, I had an email comment from uh, Matt Dayton, who works for Saxon Leather. Um, it's actually a, a Bolton-based a manufacturer of kind of traditional leather furniture, Chesterfield sofas and so on, that are celebrating their 25th anniversary. So congratulations to you guys. And thanks, Matt, for your kind words about Small Biz Pod. He says he uh, finds the shows very informative and entertaining and they've become an excellent way to make his commute to work a bit more interesting and rewarding. So thank you very much for that, Matt, and good luck with the, the PR that you're doing for... Uh, the your 25th anniversary um, Matt also has uh, some suggestions for the Kelvin Jones the, the, the diary of the entrepreneur who you're going to hear later you'll remember his first episode Kelvin asked should he undertake a business course ahead of starting his business and I also had emails from Brian Stevenson uh, the fantastic life company and from uh, Nick Morton at West Yorkshire Ventures all of whom I think the consensus comes down on the fact that probably Kelvin shouldn't do a business course. You know, there are MBAs out there, as I think um, Brian and Nick suggest. They're probably a bit long and lengthy and unnecessary in many respects. And But there are, you know, the useful source of advice uh, in terms of networking, in terms of picking the brains of other entrepreneurs, do read books, do listen to podcasts like this one, do... Potentially go down to your business link, uh, at least attend some of their free seminars and so on and so forth, uh, just to make sure that you're absolutely certain you want to set out in the world of uh, self-employment or or running your own business. But a full-blown sort of business course, probably not necessary. Get stuck in, get the experience, learn as you go along, learning by your mistakes, learning by your successes is the real way forward. That's certainly my view, and I think... Nick, Brian, and Matt concur. But let's move on to the second episode of the Diary of a Wanderpreneur, where Kelvin updates us on with what he's been going, what he's been doing in the last six to eight weeks. Hi, I'm Kelvin Jones, and this is Diary of a Wanderpreneur, entry number two. Over the last four weeks, since my first entry, I've been um, developing the business idea which I've had. So I've um, I've been basically just writing down, expanding upon my original ideas, um, all, all of the f- kind of functionality um, from a high level that I'd like on the website. Um, and also um, I've been kind of looking at the competition and just doing a bit of analysis around that. So I started off, um, four weeks ago, I I um, started laying out a kind of a, a rough plan over the next six months of of the different milestones that I want to reach um, in getting the, the website kind of up and running. Um, and that didn't take too long. Um, but But literally just like writing a business plan, meeting a business advisor, things like this. I then decided to um, write down all of the things um, that I wanted the website and the business to do. You know, how, um, you know, the functionality that the website was to offer and kind of how I intend to, to monetize the, um, the traffic or, or whatever on, on the website. 
once I I did that, and that was that, that took a couple of evenings of kind of brainstorming and just thrashing out all the ideas I had. But once I'd done that, I then turned my attention to market research, um, and this was a lot more difficult than I originally um, imagined it would be. Um, I think it was just more time-consuming and um, more kind of energy-sapping, if you like, uh, than I originally thought. Um, so, so that's what I've been doing for the last three weeks, just basically using the internet um, to gather data, to gather information on demographics, on advertising, on all these different kinds of things. Um, and I, I'd, I'd like to point to a couple of websites which I think have been uh, particularly helpful. Um, one being the UK um, statistics website uh, from the government, which is at www.statistics.gov.uk. And another website which I found quite helpful is work.com. And they um, are focused at kind of startups or small businesses. And it's just like a good. A portal, a good place to get started on, on lots of different topics such as writing a business plan or writing a, a market research plan. Um, and that's where I started really. I wrote down a plan of, of all of the research um, that I wanted to do and what I hoped to get out of the research. And then I went on to actually um, to, to actually starting the market research and, and sending out some questionnaires and um, uh, and looking at the size of the market and things like this. And this, um, I think I realised that this is something which uh, you could take forever and a day doing. You could really just go on and on and on. Um, and I, I think it's quite hard to actually, you know, you have to reach a point and say, OK, that'll do for now. <laughs> You've got to move on to the next thing, I think. So um, so I reached a point where I was quite happy, and, I, I, and at that point I got in touch with the, uh, my local enterprise agency, um, who I, I got their contact details from uh, Business Link London. Um, so I gave them a call and said I'd like to, to meet with an advisor, and they said sure, but I had to go to this uh, kind of one-day seminar first uh, before that happened. So I went along to the one-day seminar a few days ago, um, and that was relatively helpful. I had, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the information that they talked about I'd already read up on online, and um, I guess it was good to know I was kind of on the right path, I suppose. But it was also good just to talk to people about about different aspects of business and any small questions I had, you know, to get them answered. Um, so that was quite cool. And um, on the back of that, I have a meeting coming up shortly with the. Um, business advisor, and that'll be over the, over the next few days, um, and uh, and then really, yeah, we'll s- see where we go from there. Uh, look forward to that, um, and that that's pretty much what I've been up to. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up here with um, <clears throat> just with a question. I really wanted to um, find out people's opinions um, about about the business plan and what kind of business plan I should write up. Now at this one day seminar, the guy who who ran the course suggested that a business plan should be around 80 pages long. And uh, I'm not sure where he got that number from, but basically I just want to know uh, people's opinions upon that. You know, for example, I'm thinking of um, bootstrapping this company when I get it started. 
um, through working part-time at the same time as starting up. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I just want to know whether I should be going ahead writing a business plan of that size or maybe I should be, you know, writing a much smaller plan and focusing my attention elsewhere. And that's it for this entry. Thank you very much. And uh, back to you, Alex. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Kelvin. Um, some useful websites in there, I think, for startups, so for those of you who are sort of pre-startup at least, and indeed existing businesses too, to check out. The business plan is an old chestnut, and again, I'm going to bite my tongue. I know that on the blog, Sarah Scott, who's one of the people who writes on the Small Biz Pod blog, do check it out if you haven't already. Uh, she wrote something on business planning. And uh, also, bootstrapping is an interesting area too, and I think many startups are, are bootstrapping. What implications does that approach have for your business plan? 80 pages seems a hell of a long business plan to me. But what do you think? If you've got thoughts on whether you can just wing it, or if you've got thoughts on the ideal length and or content of a business plan, how have you used your business plan? What advice can you give to Kelvin on developing something that actually works practically for him and his business? Do drop me a line at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. As always, uh, always great to hear your feedback and just drop me an email anytime. Leave a audio message. You can Skype me, leave a message on the answer machine and or telephone using a, one of the contact numbers on the site at smallbizpod.co.uk. So, yeah, any thoughts for Kelvin, any thoughts for me, any thoughts on the podcast, just give us a buzz or drop us an email. Now, uh, I come back to Chris Rusu once in a while, who is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of my favourite electronica artists. And this track is from Chris courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network, and it is called The Magic Come Out at Night. <laughs> 